Welcome to the Porn Free Shame Free Podcast, produced by Caleb Micah Ministries. We hope God uses this resource to help you pursue freedom found only in Jesus. Well, hey, welcome back to the Porn Free Shame Free Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Proctor. I'm just so excited that you guys would uh, join us uh, once again. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, um, for Porn Free, Shame Free, just a, a quick reminder that we are um, a faith-based uh, podcast, and we believe that, that true freedom from things like pornography and other aspects of sexual immorality um, and freedom from you know, internal shame, all of that comes through the person of Jesus. Um, if you've been with, with us on the podcast recently, you know that we've been talking about this passage in the Old Testament of the Bible where uh, a guy by the name of Isaiah, uh, who is a prophet of God, is revealing this vision that he receives from the Lord where he basically sees and experiences this, this incredible um, aspect of the majesty of God, the glory of God, the holiness of God, and in experiencing that, like he's just like, he feels awful, and he even says, woe is me, because my eyes have seen the king. But then in that instance, he experiences the kindness of God and the forgiveness of God, this God who is not only majestic and holy, but this God who is Messiah, who wants to rescue, wants to restore, wants to forgive. And so this is where, in the part in Isaiah chapter 6 where he's seen God in his glory and majesty, where he's experienced God as Messiah, the one who rescues, the one who forgives. And then you see what happens in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. God asks a question. You know, the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, asks a question and says, Whom shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. And I want this to be as clear as possible. Isaiah did not even know the question the Godhead was going to ask. Isaiah did not even know all the specifics of what was going to be required of him. But his answer to God was, Yes, here am I, send me, without even knowing where he was going to be sent or what he was going to be doing. Why would he do that? The answer is simple, is that God helped Isaiah see his majesty. God helped Isaiah see that he's really Messiah, wants to rescue through his kindness. And because he experienced God's glory, because he'd experienced God's grace, Isaiah said, you're my master. The answer is yes, whatever you need. And see, the interesting thing is when we, uh, when I say we, I mean my, when my wife and I made the decision, we are going to try to tear down pornography. We're going to try to attack it. We're going we're to try to tear down other aspects of sex and morality. We're going to try to attack it, and we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. It wasn't because we wanted people to be pure. Although, don't misunderstand me. Walking in purity is an amazing thing. It's because we knew, because of my own life and the damage that I had done to myself, the damage that I had done to my family, in particular my marriage, we knew because of that sin, because of that shame, 
it made it very difficult to say yes to whatever Jesus would have us to do. Because as long as I'm bowing down to something that's not Jesus, I'm bowing down to it intensely like I was. He's not master. He doesn't have my heart. And if he doesn't have my heart fully, it's really hard for me to walk in whatever he has for me. But if I'm bowing down to things like pornography or other aspects of sexual morality, if I'm living in the shame of that, I mean, it's really hard to walk in what God has for me. Not because, you know, I'm bad or because what God has for me is too hard. It's because my heart is divided. And this isn't just true of sexual sin. It's true of all sin. If my heart is divided, it's hard to say he's my master. And ultimately, that's what Jesus wants. It's not because he's mean. It's not because he's bad. It's not because he wants to crack a whip. Because he knows that he knows us better than we know ourselves because he created us, Genesis 1. He created us, Colossians 1. Genesis, Old Testament. Colossians, New Testament. Passages that teach the same thing, that the Godhead is creator. And the creator knows what's best for the creation. And what he's saying is, if I'm the one who's in control, if I'm the master of your life, that's what's going to make you the most fulfilled, walking in what I have for you. When I sit down with men and try to help them, it's not just to help them be pure, although that does help. It's for them to see, Jesus wants my heart. He wants to master me. As the reason I let Jesus master my life, or at least attempt to let him master my life, is not because I'm better than somebody else, not because I'm more religious. It's because I recognize my sin in the face of his majesty. I recognize he's Messiah and he rescued me from my sin. He's forgiven me. Nobody's that glorious. Nobody's that gracious. Nobody's that majestic. Nobody is that Messiah. So for me, I want him to be master, and he wants to master my life. What about you? What masters your life? Do you want him to master your life? Is shame your master? Is other aspects of sexual morality your master? Other sins your master? Guys, can I tell you something? All of us want to be in charge. All of us do if we're honest with ourselves. At least, again, that's my opinion. But we're not alone in that because the disciples were that way too. When Jesus walked on the earth in the New Testament of the Bible that records that, that you know, they're called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It gives these accounts of Jesus when he walked on the earth. And I'm going to tell you something. The disciples were very similar to you and I in, the, in that they had agendas and they had, they had things they wanted to be in charge of. Jesus wanted to master their life, just like he wants to master our life. But part of that mastering our life means that we have to understand what Jesus did, that he went to the cross and that he died, and that he was buried. And the Bible teaches that he rose again. And sometimes what has to die for Jesus to be master is our agenda, our desires, and say, Jesus, kill those. Let me die to those and then would you resurrect what you want? Why would I want to do that? Why would the disciples who followed him closely in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John want to do that? The answer is this. Because they experienced Jesus' majesty, glory through his miracles. They experienced him as Messiah, the one who can forgive. 
that doesn't just do the miracles, but that can forgive sin. And they learned to let him master their life. But it was a process. Three passages that I think you would really find interesting to go read on your own would be in the book of Mark in the New Testament, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10. And I'm just going to do a brief summary of some conversations that Jesus had with his disciples in Mark 8, Mark 9, Mark 10. In Mark 8, he tells his disciples, I'm going to die. That's what Jesus says. I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And see, I believe that they were expecting Messiah to come to rescue them, and at the time, they were under Roman rule. And best I can perceive, that they were thinking rescue meant he's going to overthrow Rome. And why do I think that? Well, if you look at the end of some of the accounts of Jesus' life in the Gospels, in the first four books of the New Testament, you see Peter attacking a soldier in the garden when Jesus was arrested before he died. It's like they were ready. Peter was ready to fight, to go against the rule of that day. Why? Because the Messiah was going to overthrow, but that was not what Jesus was going to do. And he's, he's giving them something that's a little different. He's saying, I'm not going to make it, but then I'm going to resurrect. And they, I, don't, I don't think they ever heard that. Partially, I believe that because they seemed almost stunned when he did rise again. They scattered out of fear when he died. And their responses after he said these things came more from a place that seemed like of confusion and fear than we're trusting death and resurrection. And so he said, I'm going to die. And Peter goes to him in Mark 8, and he's like, no, you're not. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. What he's telling Peter is that the, the ideas inside of you come from Satan. You have the, in, in you not the things of God, but the things of man. So anything that's in us that's not of the Lord is either coming from the forces of darkness or it's coming from man or from within us. It's not God's. And God's saying, die to all that. Mark 8, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, they have to deny self, take up cross, follow me. Am I willing to see him as majestic, to see him as the one who rescues Messiah and declare he's master? So that means kill in my life what you need to kill. I trust you to resurrect the rest. Well, Peter wasn't having that. Then you go to Mark 9. Jesus says almost the exact same thing, that he's going to suffer, that he's going to die, he's going to rise again. And it says the disciples were afraid to ask Jesus about what, what he was talking about, and they didn't understand what he was talking about. So instead of asking for clarification, they allowed their fear to control them, and guess what they do? they start arguing on the road about which one was the greatest. You know what men do when they're afraid, when they're really insecure? They try to assert their arrogance. That's what we do. The more arrogant I am, the more I reveal the fear that I live with on the inside. Jesus is saying, you're going to die. And they're like, ah, that confuses me. That scares me. Let's just talk about which one of us better. So then Jesus confronts them about having this argument. And then he proceeds to say things like, if you want to be first, you have to be last. So in Mark 8, he said to them, if you want to come to me, you have to die. He also said, whoever tries to gain his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life then actually gains it. Mark 9. No, 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 no. I'm going to die. No, that scares you. You don't know what to answer. 
you're, you're, you're not sure? Oh, no. To be first, you have to be last. See, the Christian life is upside down. He's saying to live, you got to die. To win, you got to lose. To be first, you got to be last. And he just continues this narrative in Mark 10. And here's what he says. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. But I'm going to rise again. Again, the disciples don't, I think, fully understand because they don't respond to even questions about resurrection. In that case, two of them ask for positions of power. And Jesus then proceeds to tell them that if you want positions of authority, it really comes through serving. In fact, he says in Mark 10, 45, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So here's what Jesus is saying in his economy. If you want to live, you die. If you want to win, you lose. If you want to be first, you got to be last. If you want to lead, you got to serve. It's upside down. See, when I declare Jesus to be master of all, the thing that he may call me to may not make sense. But as long as I'm bowing down to something that's not Jesus, like I'm doing that intensely, we all have a propensity to bow down to stuff that's not him every day. But I'm talking about an intense struggle like a sexual addiction or other aspects of addiction or idolatry. When that's what has a hold of my heart, he can't be master. So why am I so passionate about tearing down pornography, about tearing down sexual morality, about saying you're not your sin, you're not your shame if you follow Jesus? Why is that, why is that so important to me? Because when a person is able to see that, then they're actually able to walk in the calling that God has for them. Why? Because they see him as majestic. They experience him as Messiah. And they declare him to be master. Guys, if you're watching this, guy or gal, and you're drowning in sexual morality sin or other aspects of sin, or you're drowning in shame, my hope is that you would see a majestic, glorious God who is bigger than whatever you're drowning in and a Messiah who wants to rescue you from it, who went to the cross, suffered, bled, died, and then rose again, conquered death, conquered sin, conquered hell. And that you would say, God, rescue me from this, this mess I find myself in. And as that happens over time, then as the affection in your heart for Jesus grows, what also grows is, Jesus, I don't want to be in charge. I want you to be in charge. You're my master. And guys, there's no telling what he'll ask you to do. But I promise you, whatever it is, it'll probably be upside down. And to live out what, you, what he has for us, we've got to die. To really win in what he has for us, we've got to lose to really be first in what he has for us, we got to be last. To really lead in what he has for us, we got to serve. And even if I'm saying that, it makes no sense to you, I would challenge you as you're done watching this to go process that stuff with Jesus. Maybe you're watching this and you don't know Jesus. And part of what it means to be last right now is to humble yourself before God and give your life to him. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you're watching it 
and you're like, part of me dying to self right now, part of me losing right now, is saying, I'm done with a life of secrecy and sexual sin. Maybe you're watching this and God has rescued and you see it. And he is master. And this is just an encouragement to you on your journey of walking with Jesus. Guys, hear me and hear me as clearly as you can. The reason Jesus masters my life, or better way to say it, the reason that I'm attempting each day for him to be master of me is not because I'm better, not because I'm more religious, but I'm so thankful that Messiah God rescued me from myself. And I just need to be reminded of that rescue. And when I am, I'm grateful. And what flows out of that is Jesus, your master. My hope today is that this has been an encouragement to you. Father God, I pray right now in this moment that when we think about what it means to follow you, that we would say, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's upside down. God, I pray that this would just get in heads and hearts over and over and over again, that you are majestic God and we fall short, but you are Messiah God. Even though we fall short, you rescue us. Like Isaiah, once we've experienced that, would we declare you to be master? Would we say, here am I, send me? We don't know what the question is, the answer is yes. We don't know what you want, but we're going that direction. God, would you give us um, hearts that can say, God, to live, we're going to die. Would you give us hearts that can say, to win, we're going to lose whatever we need to lose to or how we need to lose. God, would you give us hearts that say, we don't have to be first. We don't have to assert our, our selfishness. We're willing to be last. Would you, would you say to us that we don't have to be leading and out in front and have, you know, lording all this authority over, would we be servants Jesus, just like you were a servant for us. God, would the person drowning in pornography and shame see this as not just freedom to get pure, but freedom for you to master their heart? For the, for, for the person watching this who's really walking with you, would this just be a great reminder to daily come back to you and say, Jesus, master my heart again. Remind me of the incredible forgiveness you've given again. Remind me of that majesty, that glory again. So that each day we can declare you to be Master Jesus. We say all this in your name. Amen. God's blessings to you. And I know I say that just about at the end of every podcast, but I mean it. May God deeply bless you on your journey as you pursue freedom in Him. Thank you.